Welcome back to part two of Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy podcast, and our interview with Randy Stoker, professor in the Department of Community and Environmental Sociology at the University of Wisconsin, and uh, with a joint appointment in the Center for Community and Economic Development. He's going to talk with us in part two about community engagement and um, the challenge of working with community organizations. On that, on that point about your extension work, I'm wondering for our listeners who are um, who who don't have that same kind of position. One of the things you talk quite a lot about in your work is the role of the infrastructure of the university in supporting these sorts of um, community-based projects, but also the ways that institutionalized service learning projects can work as a hindrance to real partnerships and change making. So I'm wondering, when you talk to other um, faculty, other people, other students who are, who are existing within um, the structure that is the modern U.S. university, how do you think with them about ways to strategically use their positions in order to create um, participatory models like the one you just described in your capstone class? Yeah, you know, it's tough in lots of places. Um, and different people have different opportunities. Um, a number of the liberal arts colleges, the challenge is that there are so few professors in a discipline that they can't give up any classes. Yeah. And so they feel driven to deliver content. Mm. And, and they don't have things like capstone classes. And in other places, the professors are teaching so many courses that there's just no time to do this. Uh, in the research ones, of course, you, you have to do research that ends up in top-tier journals. Uh, and, and it's challenging to do this kind of research and get it into a top-tier journal. My stuff doesn't end up in top-tier journals, which is the other thing about my extension position is I don't have quite the same kinds of pressures that other faculty do for that kind of publication. And so, you know, every place kind of has its challenges. And the, I think one of the things that does help is if institutions will support capstone courses, because you can do this through capstone courses, institutions that will give credit for faculty to eventually add up independent studies for a course release is another way to do it. I've, I've had single independent study students who've actually done really cool projects. You know, it, you don't have to do it with a whole class. Uh, if you can, you know, get one or two students uh, who are committed to something and you can get them course credit, you can do okay with that. 
because they can devote the time to it and, and I can devote the mm -hmm. time to it as well. I think the challenge comes in when you try to deliver a bunch of content that is not absolutely and very strategically connected to the project. Yeah. So, I mean, in sociology, for example, if you, if you teach a course on poverty and then you try and do some kind of um, poverty policy project, mm -hmm. those two things probably aren't going to go together so well because you have to cover so much content about theories of poverty, data on poverty, that is not going to be relevant to the local situation that you're, you're going to be doing double duty and the students are going to be doing double duty. And as a consequence, both might suffer. Mm -hmm. Well, could you talk some more about uh, institutional infrastructure that, that supports this kind of um, uh, community-based research? Um, you know, there are organizations like Campus Compact. Um, I'm assuming your institution is still a part of that. Um, I don't see my experience with Campus Compact is they're uh, not quite as radical as you're proposing. Um, but uh, the new thing in a lot of institutions now, uh, this is from a lot of consulting firms out there, is um, hands-on education that um, equips students to get careers you know, sort of superficial internships or practicums, um, kind of short, very short term, you know, maybe even four or five days over a spring break <laughs> and um, with little reflection and no um, commitment to any kind of social change, especially in that length of time, um, no long-term commitments with community partners, uh, that kind of thing and a shifting as has happened in my own institution of four credit academic internships at link theory practice uh, from uh, the dean of the college, the academic dean of the college to uh, career planning. So internships of all kinds, volunteering to four credit um, occur in many different <laughs> variations, uh, some with depth and most without. I should say, um, uh, in a completely different careerism-oriented uh, segment of the college. So I don't, I don't know if you could comment on what you see happening out there in higher education in this neoliberal turn um, toward careerism. You know, again, I, I just don't see higher education institutions themselves as, as <laughs> places where I want to focus my attention. Mm -hmm. um, I, my main concern is preserving the spaces for the people who want to do this. Mm -hmm. because as soon as one creates programs to support it, then they become part of the institutional structure. That's right. right? And, you know, my colleague, Corey Dolgan, then says they get declawed. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, higher education is going to be what higher education is going yeah. to be. The challenge is, can we preserve the margins of higher education? Mm -hmm. And 
and we use some of the the things that are happening. I have, along with independent studies, I have students doing this kind of stuff through internships as well. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is, you know, not that there are necessarily institutional barriers to using internships for a social change kind of work. In fact, there are none here. Uh, mm -hmm. Whatever the student wants to do, along with a site supervisor and the prof, yeah. um, you just fill out the intern paperwork and it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but the challenge, I think, is with the community organizations out there, who many of whom have been trained in the service learning model. And so many of them are looking for a volunteer. Yeah. And, and the challenge is helping them think about what more they can ask for mm -hmm. rather than just a volunteer. Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I've been moving toward, and I've been learning this from working with UCAN, is a campaign model of community engagement. Mm -hmm. In the campaign model, it is incumbent on the group out there in the community to develop a strategic social change goal. Mm -hmm. And then to work with people like me to find what their knowledge and information gaps might be Mm -hmm. and develop strategies to fill those gaps that can be directly connected to achieving that social change goal. Mm -hmm. You know, in a lot of groups, if you approach them and say, well, what kind of research would you like done? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they look at you like you're a Martian um, mm -hmm. or they just kind of come up with something that actually isn't going to serve their purposes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this requires like a lot of careful conversation and strategy. And that has been what is brilliant about UCAM because their goal early on at the beginning of this was to get local artists access to local stages and mm. then to get the city to make good on its promise of establishing an entertainment equity task force, mm -hmm. which through the process of the first project, they achieved uh, and they actually got the city to establish the task force. Uh, and not only that, but the city put UCAN in charge of the task force. And then the task force released its report and we were doing other support research that supported that report. And then the report got accepted by the city council, which just basically means they said, oh good, you wrote a report. Uh, and now the challenge is for them to actually get the city to adopt the recommendations of that report. And so our latest research project has actually been doing research that bolsters the arguments in a select number of recommendations that they're making so that they can go to the city and ask for those things. Mm 
Mm -hmm. right? And so that's what a campaign model looks like, is a group that's working for strategic change, mm -hmm. accessing research support that can make that effort stronger. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks. You know, something you said a few minutes ago about sort of preserving spaces on the margins where change work can happen um, made me think about recent struggles to preserve the public sector in Wisconsin. Um, and I guess I'm wondering how you see how you see the work that you're doing with local communities and with your students mapping on to some of those struggles to keep to keep public education funded, mm -hmm. um, to keep unions active in the state, and to what extent you you and your students have have um, mapped yourselves onto those struggles. Yeah, my work doesn't. Um, other people's work does. Um, you know, we have lost all of those battles. Mm. And, and partly for my own self-care, I have been looking for groups that have a chance of winning. Mm. And, and so those are the groups I've gravitated for. Um, along with the groups that have kind of the fewest contradictions. And for me, that means groups that are as, as led as much as possible by their constituency, uh, that are as grassroots as possible, uh, and that are looking at kind of strategic goals that I think directly further democracy, racial justice, gender justice, those kinds of things. Um, and so that's just where I've gone. I mean, that isn't to say that anybody else shouldn't be working on public education or shouldn't be working uh, with unions. It's just not what I do. Well, um, I'm curious about something you wrote about um, in terms of a student uh, direct action uh, sit-in in the administration office around the pizza company at um, University of Wisconsin that was anti-union um, and or engaged in anti-union efforts. This was around, what, 2014 mm -hmm. or so. Um, whatever happened to that movement and was it successful in, in calling the university to account uh, for their outsourcing and, um, you know, fair wages and all of that? Um, it all just kind of went away mm -hmm. uh, when um, the students were brought up through the disciplinary system at the mm -hmm. university uh, and you know and things have gotten more difficult as the wisconsin board of regents have passed policies mm -hmm. that make it even harder for students 
uh, to have an activist voice on campus. And now you can um, be not just disciplined, but expelled for disrupting uh, speakers on campus. And it's not clear what it means to disrupt a speaker on campus. Hmm. Yeah, and is there a, a student movement on campus that is, is working on that or um, I, and I have found it's, it's very difficult to do the kind of social change work uh, on the in the on the very place where you teach. Um, yes, even in solidarity with, um, you know, those who are making poverty wages and facilities, etc. Uh, Lucia's also been part of that, those efforts uh, here, both here at Agnes Scott and in the graduate student unionizing effort at Yale. Uh, so, um, I mean, it's much easier with fewer constraints to go out, you know, than to try to change, you know, your own house. So, um, could you talk some more about that too? Yeah, again, you know, I, I do not focus my attention and analysis inward on the university. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It just hasn't been healthy or productive. Um, yeah. and I know lots of people, that's, that's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about how do we change the institution? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I just haven't had enough success mm -hmm. uh, to, to want to think about that. And so I think about how do I work building democracy off campus mm -hmm. yeah. with groups. Um, but here again, you know, our folks like Scott Myers Lipton, who um, are just, they're off the charts in both of their yeah. courage and their ability to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I wonder what do you, what is what are the things you're working on now? What are your kind of next projects that you're envisioning with communities, with your students, etc. You know, it, it's interesting. I don't plan too far ahead. Um, the you can work now in its fourth year. We may have reached the conclusion of that. I'm not sure. And Karen and I are going to have to talk, but, you know, they're into now actually trying to get the policies that all of the other work helped to develop. Uh, and so they may not need us anymore. And you know, the thing about kind of the, the long-term service learning model is that you know, my model is we work together as long as I have something that yeah. is really useful to provide. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I don't, you know, then we don't work together anymore. I mean, I still maintain contact and we still have a relationship. Um, but, you know, we have to be able to, like, say, okay, is this something that can really matter, that we can really do something with? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure. Oh, right now, for me, what's next uh, as I get through 
the next semester in the summer, then I start a sabbatical. That'll mm. give me a chance to kind of think about what kinds of things are next. And, and then it'll be what kind of groups are working on what kinds of issues um, that I can start talking with some more in doing things with. Um, you know, I do a lot of other extension-y kinds of work. Like I'm, I'm working with a couple of groups that are doing grassroots leadership development. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, my, and that I think is the other reason for why I feel more comfortable off campus than on. Mm -hmm. the, the exclusions from democracy <laughs> always strike me as much more serious off campus than on. Um, particularly at UW-Madison, where, I mean, overwhelmingly, we're working with very privileged students. These are the students who are, they're being trained into the leadership of the society. Yeah. People that I'm working with off campus are being, if not excluded, at least not recruited for those kinds of opportunities. Mm -hmm. and so I, I feel like the needs and the causes are greater off campus mm -hmm. than are on campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't do you think you're you're in some ways doing you know a small part in your classes of you know breaking that um, trajectory of um, the uh, leadership for the status quo that uh, institutions of higher learning like to channel students into? I hope so. I mean, it is interesting in the, the capstone classes, one of the things that, that the students express through the course are various levels of anxiety because, you know, projects like this, it's not exactly clear where they're headed and, and what they're going to do and where they're going to go. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't even know. Um, and often the community group doesn't know for sure either. And so we're all figuring it out together. And mm -hmm. by the time we get to the end of the project, the students are feeling a sense of the group mm -hmm. and a sense of what a lot of people call group-centered leadership that they haven't ever experienced before. I, and they kind of like it, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a, we're getting near the end, but I have a quote I want to read from the Community-Based Research in Higher Education book. Um, it's from this small paragraph called A Vision of the Future. Um, I'm into utopianism these days, given uh, some recent developments in higher education around uh, uh, leadership. <clears throat> okay, uh, this then is our vision, a future in which campus community research partnerships are prolific, deep, sustained, reciprocal, and actively committed in myriad ways in every corner of the United States to transforming communities and realizing a more just society. It is a future in which colleges and universities have finally become places where teaching and learning are vigorous and vital Scholarship is valued for its relevance as well as for its rigor, 
and the ends of knowledge truly are the benefit and use of life. I find a lot of hope in that, even if I think, well, <laughs> you know, that is a goal. Uh, we're not there yet. So what, what is your hope, uh, you know, for uh, higher education? And your field, not just your field of sociology, but in particular that field where as someone in, and I'm in religious studies and human rights education, um, seems to have more going for it, I guess, maybe because of, you know, the work of participatory action research and other things. Um, so where's the hope? Uh, for me, the hope is in the margins. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why my focus is on preserving the margins mm -hmm. more than trying to change the structures. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because that's where the sparks are. Um, that's where the new ideas are. That's where the things that have never been done before are. Um, and that's where hopefully there's a different kind of collaboration mm. that is about putting many minds together from many diverse circumstances. And so it's on the margins, it's not about knowledge transfer. Yeah. Right? It's not about doing for. It's <laughs> not about providing service. Yeah. Um, it is about actually figuring out what different ways we can do things that build democracy broadly um, and not focusing inside of the institution. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Lucia, do you have a final question? I feel like that's, maybe that's a good note to end on. I could think mm -hmm. of, I mean, I could think of questions all day about <laughs> theorizing the relationship between margin and center and the extent to which those boundaries are ever porous um but that may be for another day mm -hmm. yeah and you know I'm, my one of my takeaways for this is um where this position students in in the classroom as um knowledge bringers and knowledge producers um you know with and for the professor and communities um working on the margins well, yeah, and that is, yeah. I think, the other cool thing about this is, and, I, and especially, again, I've been, I've been taught this through working with UCAN, is that everybody in the room is smart. <laughs> you know, half the students in the room are smarter than me about hip-hop. Uh, and, you know, there's always a number of students who have significant research training. <laughs> and, you know, and so I... It's not an assignment I give to the students. We're all working together. I'm, I'm working on the project too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so I'm working on, we often have a member of UCAN in the room with us when we meet. Uh, and, and so that has been the really fun thing is 
that we're not teaching you can, and we're all doing this stuff together. Uh, and that feels really good. Well, Randy Stoker, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been a real pleasure. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. We'll be in touch. Lucia and I want to thank you for listening to Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy podcast. The audio engineer is Aaliyah Harris, and the producer is China Wilson. The outro music on part two is by Lance Eric Hagen. Hopefully everything under the sun from 2015. Thank you for listening. Thank you.